Hello, thank you for joining us. I am your host, Richard Cohn. I'm the publisher of Beyond Words Publishing. And today we have the, pleasure, the very wonderful pleasure of talking with Hollister Rand. Hollister is a world-class medium who helps people understand that there is more to life and to the afterlife than many of us have been taught. She is authentic. Uh, she's compassionate. She's brilliant and has a great sense of humor. I've had the pleasure of knowing Hollister for the better part of a decade and have been in audiences where she has done a presentation. I've had readings with her. She has helped me personally uh, to connect with family members who have passed to the other side. And I really am, am honored that she can share her wisdom today with, with our listening audience. Um, I should mention also that Hollister is the author of I'm Not Dead, I'm Different, and she is the author of her newest book, Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But We're Afraid to Ask. Hello, Hollister. Well, hi, Richard. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm really grateful that the second book, Everything You Wanted to Know About the Afterlife But We're Afraid to Ask, is our collaboration. I am so delighted to be part of the Beyond Words family. We are we are equally thrilled to be able to work with you. It is an absolute pleasure. Well, and the timing is quite interesting, I think. Um, you know, when when news of the pandemic hit, my assistant looked at me and said, this is the worst time for you to be releasing a book. And I turned to her and I said, this is the best time for us to be releasing this book um, because it really speaks to uh, the fears that we have about death and the fears that we have that we may be separated from the people that we love. And we're seeing this play out in real time on a mass scale. And so uh, I have lived you know, more than a quarter century devoting myself to giving the spirits a voice here on the earth and also teaching people how to be connected themselves. And and I see right now as all of that work laying the groundwork for the spirits to help us all now. What do you think um, people on the other side or spirits on the other side think of this pandemic that's going on? Well, I haven't yet had a spirit say COVID-19 to me. No one has actually said that word. But what I will say is that when I was reading the audio version of my book, I got to a line that I had completely forgotten. I had written 18 months to two years ago, and these were the words. I am seeing angels with ever-increasing and somewhat stunning frequency. This may be because there are serious threats to life on our planet. Um, so the first thing I would say is the spirits are not surprised by this. Um, there were also, uh, last year, um, I gave a message from a beloved mother in spirit to her daughter, which included this. 
she is saying that a big change is coming, but she's not saying what. And I had totally forgotten about that message, but the daughter reminded me of this message on March 18th and said, huh, this is interesting in retrospect. Well, yeah, I think so. And then I was having um, a meeting with a, a scientist, and, um, and different scientists showed up, and the person I was speaking with understood why a certain scientist would be there, but we had no idea, why is Jonas Salk here? Well, now I understand why Jonas Salk is in the mix. So what I would say is the spirits are here, and although they haven't addressed COVID-19 directly to me, I do think that they are here and they offer uh, comfort, connection, cooperation with a solution, um, and we can talk more um, about that. But what they aren't here to do is to allow us to sidestep our personal responsibility to ourselves and to each other. So the spirits do not intervene to let us off the hook. We are faced with something very serious here. And how we respond is on us. Now, how we invite the spirits is also on us. And that's another reason why I want to work so hard to get the word out. The, you know, a lot of people are taught in this lifetime that, that this is the only lifetime that one lives. And, and yet, I have personally witnessed that there is more to life than life on Earth, that we have an afterlife, that we reincarnate. How, what would you say to our listening audience, particularly for anyone who, whose mind is set or closed uh, to the fact that this is just one lifetime? Well, um I think all of our minds are closed to some ideas that challenge certainty. Um, certainty is uh, something that we all grasp that we think gives us safety in this world. Well, the first thing I would say is that everything that we thought was safe in this world, whether it's our you know, bank accounts or uh, food at the market or even uh, 24 rolls of toilet paper in the basement, um, all of that is now up for grabs. And so the first thing that I would say to someone that is close-minded is that life circumstances bring you to a place where you end up questioning what you have hold, held is true. That is not my job. The world does that. My job as a medium is to be there for the people who are questioning and allowing the spirits to answer those questions, which is literally why I wrote this book. Um, when I first started being a medium, I found that much of my work was, quote, proving to people that I had a connection with their loved ones. So everybody had a, a proof of life threshold. Okay, if she gives me the name, then that will prove it to me. If she gives me um, a secret hobby or a favorite place or where I spread my husband's ashes, then I'll believe she has the connection with him. Well, as the acceptance of mediumship and spirit communication has expanded, um, the questions around it have increased, and that's what I have found most surprising. And I realize that these questions are also fear-based, just as 
the idea that we don't live or that we do live or what does it look like after death, a lot of these questions are fear-based and our need to hold on to things that we think are certain are fear-based. So are the questions I was getting at large events, things like, what happens if my loved one reincarnates? Will I miss them in the afterlife? Or, you know, if they're reincarnated in some other part of the world? Or do I have to live for eternity with every husband I've ever had? I mean, you know, these are all fear-based questions. So these are open-minded, metaphysical people who not only, you know, who may have dealt with their fear of dying, but then had fear about what the nature of that existence might be. If, as, as you were just speaking, I, I was thinking to myself, oh, those are questions that probably everyone goes through in their mind. Um, it, it, you know, one of the things, Hollister, that, that I've wondered personally, is that in the course of a lifetime, I've had occasions where I have met people and had an instant connection, just as though I've known them my entire life. And uh, I've wondered, uh, do people incarnate uh, in family lines or soul families or uh do we make agreements in the afterlife to meet someone in this life? Well, I really love that question, and I get asked it quite a bit. Um, although I'm not um, a past life regressionist, I mean, that's not my specialty, um, because there's interest in that here on the earth plane, the spirits do speak with me about that. Um, plus, I have clients all over the world. So I have clients um, in the Far East and in India um, where – the question of reincarnation is settled, where they expect someone to die and show up in the family in the next generation. They look for it, as a matter of fact. So there is that. And then here in the West, and I would include Europe and you know, sort of the Western world, there is this idea of, I will wait for you. Let's do this together. There's a stepping off of the karmic wheel, per se, you know, this incessant life, you know, after life, after life, and more of a let's do this together. There's a networking and an agreement, and I think that has brought us to this place in time um, because I have experienced a lot of that in this life as well. And so I think that network places us in a really good place to bring spirit here to the earth plane to help during this time. It is no mistake um, that there has been an explosion of spiritual interest over the last 25 years that I've been on this planet, because that will serve us now. When you, when we were beginning our, our interview today, uh, you mentioned Jonas Salk and how he had been in a reading with one of your clients. Ironically, uh, I'm looking right now at a book called Man Unfolding by Jonas Salk, and it's autographed by him, and uh, I have it in my library here. All right. Well, I just want to point out these synchronicities are important indicators that spirit is with us. So... Um, 
one of the ways the spirits can help us during this time. Because, you know, that's what I, I want people to know, that the spirits are here, number one, that our awareness of them and our welcoming of them in our lives gives them a space here on the planet to work with us. And one of the first things they do is um, is cooperate with us, with scientists and researchers and leaders to find solutions and respond to the magnitude of human suffering. So um, the fact that I was seeing Jonas Salk, you have a signed book, we're on the radio together, I thought to bring this up. These kinds of synchronicities, um, you could say coincidence, but I don't look at these things as coincidence. I think there's a greater meaning um, in the sense of Carl Jung's identifying synchronicity, that this is spirit working with us, inspiring us, letting us know, hey, we're here. We're working with everybody on this earth plane. We will solve this, and there may be a new way to move forward, but we're going to help you with that too. And the other thing I really have to make clear to people is that no one dies alone. We hear these um, reports of people being in the hospital, and yes, the first responders are there with them, and um, and the healthcare workers are with them, um, providing great service and comfort at this time. But families being separated from one another, sometimes family members dying separately in different rooms in the same hospital or, or same facility. Um, let me assure everybody that nobody dies alone that loved ones in spirit are with each and every person who is suffering. And my book, my new book, is full of of, uh, references to that. Um, There was a man who was dying and looking up into the corner of his room, and when I had a session with his wife, um, his mother, he and his mother came together, and the mother said, I was waiting for him. I was standing there welcoming him you know, offering to be there for him as he left his body. And in the corner of that room where she was, the paint changed color. So it was a very clear manifestation of spirit in his end days and end moments. Nobody dies alone. Wow. There's another uh, synchronicity. Uh, Beyond Words actually published a book called No One Dies Alone. Ah, yes, and that is that is true. I mean, the title alone that it really does it it really does sum it up. And especially here at this moment in time, it's important to know that um, the spirits offer that comfort. No one dies alone, not with the spirits on call. Now we can also do our part. Um, the spirits are offering to connect in more ways than one right now. Now, what I've discovered with my clients and my students who are empaths, they feel things very, very deeply. Um, what has been challenging right now is the amount of emotion and pain and grief that is, you know, in the ether right now. It can be difficult to rise above that. If you're an empath, you may just be hit with it, and it could become very immobilizing. Um, and I've been hearing this from clients, and even as I'm doing sessions, um, you know, I was doing a session with a woman yesterday, and the first thing that showed up is that she has her own connection with the spirits, but all of a sudden it was like her GPS went dead or, you know, she she was totally cut off, 
And as the spirits continued to work with me, we were able to, you know, sort of jumpstart that connection again and move her frequency into love, joy, and peace, which is above, those are higher-level frequencies, which are above fear, grief, and separation. So the spirits offer connection, and in that connection, in their love and in their joy and in their peace, that's where we can access those things too, no matter what is going on around the world, and then we can be personally directed. I'm glad that you just shared that, Hollister, because um, yesterday I was taking a walk with my wife, and all of a sudden I just went to uh, a place of, of fear, I guess. I I started, I, I felt tears welling up in my eyes, and I was experiencing just a, a deep sense of, of fear, of concern, uh, and that feeling of separation um, and my wife gave me a hug and we, and I, I realized that there's so much going on in the world that from the, the, the news media, from everything that's happening everywhere and the uncertainty of it all, uh, I think brought up this fear within me. Yes, well, and as I was uh, talking with one uh, student of mine, she said, I don't watch the television, I don't read the news, but I can't get out of my chair. I mean, she was desperate. I said, well, the news might be a delivery service or an amplifier, perhaps, but it's in the air. You know, it's, it's you know, just as COVID is airborne, so is fear, energy-borne, you know, it. It comes, you know, in waves over the earth. You have so many people thinking and feeling the same thing at the same time. But the good news is there's an antidote for that. So as we work with the frequencies of love, joy, and peace, those are higher-level frequencies and more powerful frequencies. Those are the frequencies that the spirits operate at that I work with. I work with spirits at the frequency of love. So what happens is, by aligning ourselves with these higher and bigger frequencies, it knocks everything else out. Um, and you literally, and so I work with people in my uh, workshop with this, um, because some people used to be afraid of, if I open myself up, I'm going to know when someone's going to die. And yeah, um, if you are moving into your empathy, your uh, psych, you're getting psychic hits, you know, your psychism is ramped up. Yeah, well, I'm talking about aligning yourself with the highest possible frequencies. That allows you to navigate these times without becoming enmeshed in the fear and everything that's literally flying through the air. It, it, uh, thank you very much for, for sharing that because uh, clearly I had I had somehow absorbed this energy that was, as you said, it's in the air. People are also thinking this same thing worldwide. People are afraid that to, to socialize, to get together, to that they're going to be exposed. And uh, uh, embracing these frequencies, allowing these frequencies of love, joy, and peace really brings us back to center. 
Absolutely. And as we continue our conversation, Richard, I'd like to give people sort of everyday tips, things that they can do to stay stable and raise their frequencies during, during these times. That's, that's a, a great uh, segue. You mentioned that it would be nice to give people everyday tips that can help them manage life in these times. Yes. Um, most of the people that I work with in my um, development groups and uh, people who want to enhance their own spirit communication, they come to me as empaths. They feel things very, very deeply. We have a large group of very empathetic people on the planet, and we need them now more than ever. But what can happen with the intense fear and anxiety and uh, grief that is present on the earth plane in every country, by the way, some countries have done better than others, but it literally comes in waves as infection rates rise um, in different places, there's a new wave of this. So it's not like um, fear, anxiety, separation, um, and all of that hits once and we adjust to it. It is constantly being, you know, whirling around. So that's the first thing I would say is this is not a you deal with it and you're done kind of idea energetically. This is a, these are everyday practices that we can do to move through this and raise our frequencies. So many people may try to close down during this time, you know, sort of as we're isolating ourselves in our homes and that kind of thing. You may try to isolate yourself from energy, but it doesn't work that way. Um, energy and thought and all of those things doesn't stop at your front door. Um, so much as if you try to close your heart down, if you're an empath, all that does is cripple your greatest ability to connect with spirit. It doesn't protect you. So, and the other thing is empaths, people who connect with spirits, will often throw themselves out of their bodies. You know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to deal with this. And they'll astro project, you know, and you know, and not be in their bodies. Well, the first thing I would say to everybody is our body is our address here on this earth plane, and that's how spirits come to us. We don't have to go find them. This is not kind of a, a search mission on our part. We just, first of all, have to be very present in our bodies, even if it feels uncomfortable. So what I do in the morning is when I wake up, I feel my energy. First of all, I, I am grateful that I'm waking up and I express gratitude for waking up and being present. And then I feel myself fill out my body completely, tips of my toes, you know, fingers. I wiggle everything. Okay, we're all in working order. Um, and then I lie there for a minute or so just expressing gratitude for whatever may be um, coming to my mind, whether it's the sun shining or the rain is coming down or my little dog is coming to say hello. And then when I've expressed maybe five gratitudes, I sit on the side of the bed, put my feet on the floor, and feel myself grounded to the earth and allow myself to be present here on this earth. Now, that may seem 
so simplistic and ridiculous that people are like, oh, yeah, got that down. No, you don't. Because I got to tell you, when energies like this are hitting the Earth's plane, we haven't seen this in our lifetime. These knock everybody off their pins. Everybody, anybody who's an empath is, you know, feeling like they're in an alternate universe right now. And they may not even recognize themselves or their spirituality. So getting reconnected to the Earth plane is the first tip that I can give everybody. Richard, what do you think about that? Does that resonate with you? Uh, Totally. Uh, It it, it absolutely makes sense. Uh, And as you said, it's a very simple thing to do, and yet uh, it it really allows one that connection back uh, to the, the Earth plane where we are living out this, Uh, human existence. Yes. And then the next thing is to move the discomfort that we feel away from us. So what's happening is this energy, this, you know, lower level, the fear, the anxiety, you know, all of that lower level energy hitting people in their hearts, the empaths, the deep feelers. Um, It's painful. It may even feel like arrows, you know, hitting people. I've had empaths report to me that, you know, I can't breathe. I feel like someone's sitting on my chest and, you know, I, I, my heart is just, I can't take it. So it can feel like a physical manifestation um, of this energy hitting us. So the next key is once you're grounded is to allow your energy, your energy to expand around you. We all have an aura. Now, I'm probably not telling any spiritual listener anything they don't already know. But what happens is when we take things for granted, um, we don't pay attention to them. And any system that isn't paid attention to begins to degrade over time. Um, and, and at this moment in time, we cannot allow our ener- energetic systems to degrade at all. We need to be building them up. And that includes the aura. So the second thing that I do every day is allow my energy to expand around me and creating almost like, you know, a circle of, um, well, I, I don't even like to say protection, but just sort of expanded space. That's what I would say. Um, kind of a demilitarized zone where um, if something's coming at me, negativity, it hits me away from my body, not directly into my heart space. So I can look at it out there and go, oh, okay, it's sort of hitting me out there. I know it's not my fear. I know it's not that. And then what we can do is we can send love from our hearts to meet that fear that is at the periphery of our personal energy. And what that does is it begins to raise the level of that fear into love. And then it sends that back into the universe. Uh, So it's a feedback loop, but it transforms the energy. Because the bottom line is the spirits are here to transform. You know, when I said I'm seeing angels with ever-increasing frequency, that paragraph continues with, however, these are also times of great connectivity 
with momentous opportunities for change and transformation, both personal and global. The presence of the angels indicates that the highest frequencies of creation are here on Earth and therefore accessible to us. Their presence may be an urgent request that we listen and learn. So as we send this love back out into the universe, that becomes available to everybody who's enmeshed in fear. It begins to weaken that level of energy so that personal transformation can begin to take place for everybody, so that people, when they're searching, can be led to the thing that will give them answers and comfort, and where synchronicities can happen for everybody. Um, so I see my job as really giving voice to the spirits, to what they're showing us, and teaching people the tools that they need to be spirit representatives here on Earth. What does that look like? How can we bring these changes? How can we transform ourselves? And I'd love to talk more about that um, after, you know, in the next segment. I think everyone, including me, <laughs> will love to uh, to hear that and to uh, to hear what you have to say about that. Yes. Well. One of the, I think, greatest challenges with facing this disease is that it is a disease that causes people to physically separate. I think this has been very, very hard on people. Um, you know, when I do sessions, very often at the end of a session, someone will ask me, can I hug you? Now, I know that they're not hugging me per se, but there's an understanding that their loved ones and spirits are here. And by hugging me, there's an, a sense of inclusion that we are all in this together. Um, one of the difficulties with what is going on right now and people in isolation is the sense that we can't give that kind of physical comfort to each other. But what I would remind everybody is that spirits know how to love us without having physical bodies. They already know how to do that. They have been through every kind of calamity that has ever existed on the earth plane. I have talked with spirits um, who have died in genocide, who have died of starvation, um, who have killed themselves due, due, you know, because of financial loss. Um, I recently discovered that I had a great uncle who died during the flu epidemic of 1918. These are the very spirits who are present with us now, the spirits who have been through all of Earth's calamities. So they are no strangers to loss and fear, deprivation, and all of those things. And yet they know how to love us and give us a sense of a hand on a shoulder, the swelling of a heart. So what I would say is, you know, when, when we love someone or when someone is hurting, you know, we want to reach out. Well, there are ways we can do this. One of the practices I talk about is the spirit hug. And it very simply is this. You can sit 
or stand silently with your eyes open or closed, however you'd like to do that. You can look at a photo or hold a picture in your mind of someone that you love. And you can expand your heart space to include love for this person and send love to this person, whether they are on the earth plane or whether they are on spirit, in spirit. And as you feel yourself expanding to include them, you can even expand your love to include neighbors, friends, even people you don't like perhaps, um, countries, the world. You can expand that love to be all-inclusive. You can give the world a hug. I call this a heart hug. And as you do this, the love that you send out is returned to you because this is a reciprocal exercise. The spirits don't just take our love. You know, we think we're sending them messages, I love you, I love you, I love you. Like we're beaming out into the universe with no thought that we might hear in return, kind of like the SETI project. You know, you just keep sending out, is there life out there? Is there life out there? Well, guess what? I'm a medium. There's life out there. So what happens is when we send this love out, the spirits magnify that love and send it back to us. It's like this immense boomerang effect. So when that happens, the whole world, the whole universe, and each of us individually gets a hug, a spirit energetic hug. So that is something that we can do that you will feel, and that opens opens up your heart and jumpstarts your connection with loved ones in spirit. I do something, Hollister, uh Sometimes at night I'll, I'll do a prayer where I, I picture my heart opening and uh, love emanating from my heart in the form of little hearts that goes all around the earth and completely covers the earth and every being seen and unseen in love. And sometimes I'll even pick out the leaders in the world whom I feel might need a little love, and I'll even make a suit of clothes for them that is made of love. And when they put it on, they just feel wonderful. Um, so I, I do a similar <laughs> exercise, and it, uh, but I, I never thought of it in the way that you describe it, that, uh, that it is reciprocal, that that love then comes back. I thought I was just sending it. Well, that's that's why I mention that, because most people do think that's what they're doing. Like, it's a one-way, it's a one-way circuit. It's not love is a circuit. It's cyclical. It responds. Love is alive. It responds. It never goes just one way. And so that's one of the reasons why I talk about love the way I do. Um, it doesn't just go one way. It always returns. And it returns magnified. So that's another one of the reasons, you know, that I want to talk about that. Um, and the other thing is, Richard, you are doing such a service to people, especially leaders when you do this, because if people are reactionary to what is going on in the world rather than visionary and working in um, empathy and compassion and understanding, a reactionary stance um 
is a limited vision stance. It It is a reaction rather than being proactive for the greatest good for the greatest number of people. So as you send leaders love, you're moving them from fear of ramifications of things, you know, uh, immediate ramifications, oh, so-and-so's not going to like this, or, you know, whatever that is, moving them into being visionaries and seeing the bigger picture and being able to be informed by the bigger picture rather than just reacting to what they happen to see in front of them. It's really important that we elevate our thinking and that we move these higher-level frequencies, including joy. You know, it might sound weird to even think of joy in the middle of this. But, you know, gratitude has been a big practice for people for years now. So people have been practicing gratitude. I couldn't be more delighted about that because we need it now more than ever. Um, With people practicing their gratitude muscles, it's an automatic connection to spirit because by expressing gratitude, you express the understanding that your happiness and welfare isn't totally down to your own actions, that there are things outside of yourself that support you. I mean, people laugh when I talk about being very grateful for toilet paper. People think I'm being funny. I am not. I am grateful for the trees. I am grateful for the processing plants. I am grateful for the people who deliver the toilet paper, and I'm really grateful that I have it to use. And I understand I haven't grown the tree. I haven't processed the paper, and I haven't gotten it to me. So there we are in, we are constantly supported. Um, and there's a network. So by expressing gratitude, we are connecting ourselves to a network of support, which automatically takes us out of the woe is me. I'm so alone. You know, uh, I have nothing. You know, there's nobody here. It, it takes us right out of that space because spirits are in network. Um, and we have to pl- our responsibility is to plug into the network. And so any thoughts of separation can be um, destroyed by practicing gratitude, the simple practice of gratitude. It's, uh, it's such a, a special space to be in in the space of gratitude. And sometimes I will I'll just start giving thanks and gratitude to everyone who's ever interacted with me in life, every mentor, every teacher, uh, every every companion animal that has shared my life. It, it's just a, and, and I feel so good after uh, that exercise of doing that. Uh, if you could share a little bit about um, if we have spirit guides uh, or angels who are around us in this lifetime and and what is the difference between a spirit guide and an angel? Well, the good news is that that is the that specific question is answered in the book, so that's good. So people will have this, you know, as a reference. But I can certainly give the short form here. There is some confusion about guides and angels, and you know, and um, we have people refer to their loved ones as angels. This happens a lot. Um, my daughter is my angel in spirit, um, or my parking angel got me a spot at, at Macy's. Well, these days you can find a spot 
at Macy's without a parking angel. I can assure you of that. Um, but the idea of of making uh, really the big spirits of the universe, and I call them big, because when I see angels, boy, are they big. You know, I, I will look across an audience, and people have mentioned this. They all of a sudden will see my eyes just go up, like get wide and go up. And that's the sign that I'm seeing an angel, because it's like, holy cow, look at the size of this. So um, there is a lot of big energetic angel energy on the earth plane today as well. So guides, um, these, these are spirits who don't really care whether you know their names or not. I know there's kind of a cult around, I want to know who my guide is. Um, what is his name? What is her name? You know, how have I known them in a former life? Well, if you want to know who the most selfless um, spirits of the universe are, it's the guides. They don't care what if you know what their names are, and you can call them anything, um, and they are there. You don't have to worry about interacting with them because they are helping to guide you whether you acknowledge them or not. So if you choose to develop a relationship, that's great. If you invite them into a more active back and forth, that's fantastic, but it also is not necessary. Now, what I've also experienced with guides is that people will have more than one. So I will have a guide that I have guides that will help me organize large events, for instance, like event planner guides. I will have bouncers at the doors and the windows, you know, to let only the good spirits in. I have a guide that helps me personally move through my personal life and my personal struggles. I have guides that help me teach and then will move from me to work with other mediums who have, you know, uh, studied with me. So the other thing to understand about guides is it's very fluid. Um, guides, some guides can come and go, not all. I feel as though I have had one or two guides with me my entire life. But others do come and go and work with others. Um, so moving the entire planet forward, so to speak. Um, I remember when I had done my first event in public, um, I then sat with a group of mediums who also happened to be my friends, and one of these mediums said, oh, Hollister, they're talking about sending you a new guide, you know, um, uh, a trainee, you know, one who's going to train with you. And I said, a trainee? I don't need a trainee guide. I need a professional well, you know, I was proclaimed about this whole thing. And then during the presentation, um, another medium in the audience saw this guide leave me and move over to someone who was stepping into being a professional medium. Um, and I realized, oh, my goodness, I am like, I'm like the training ground for medium guides. Um, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm honored to be part of that network. Now, the other thing I've seen is when people come to me for a session and they're asking for guidance in their lives, you know, we tend to listen to the people we know and trust. So if some spirit you don't know starts telling you what to do with your life, you're not going to listen. 
But if a father brings through a piece of information or, you know, a suggestion, because the spirits don't tell us what to do. They don't interfere with our free will. What I will see is a guide energy speaking to a father or a mother in spirit or a son in spirit. And it's, it's the oddest thing. They don't have to show me that, but I think they show me that to let me know that it is guide energy that is providing the information to a loved one in spirit because the person in the session will listen to a father, will listen to a mother, has a, an established trusting relationship with that spirit, but not necessarily an unknown spirit. Um, so don't worry. Guides will get you. will be guided. You will be guided. You do not have to worry about missing guidance from spirit. And now angels. Oh, the big energy of the universe. Um, angels are the messengers of the divine. Um, guides and angels are here. The things that they share is that they are here to help move us toward transformation. So guides work with us on a personal level. Um, the angels work on a cosmic divine level. So it's kind of like they're, it's, it's the kind of earth, uh, divine connection. So the spirits are the messenger of the divine, reminding us who we are, reminding us why we're here, leading us toward transformation and nothing short of that. Um, reminding us that in crisis, we need to focus on what is important. Um, angels will give us messages that seem completely outlandish. Um, things like with my first book, you're going to write a book. Oh, really? It's, you know, I had no idea. I didn't even know how to do that. I didn't know how to get it published. But what happens is they will let you know of the most ridiculous, impossible kind of thing that you are supposed to be doing with your life. And then you have to let go of trying to figure out how to make that happen. Because that's where the guides step in. So the angels will come with the message from the divine. You know, this is what it is. This is the big picture. And then the guides come in and start saying, talk to this person. Or a book falls at your feet, which leads you to an understanding. So these two energies and spirits combined in our lives leads us and the entire planet to transformation. Wow. <laughs> that, that is the most uh, complete uh, explanation and understanding of how it all works that I've ever heard. Thank you so much, Hollister, for wrapping it all up that way. Uh, and thank you for being with us today. And I hope everyone gets a chance to read your new book, everything you wanted to know about the afterlife, but we're afraid to ask. Well, we are going to say to the spirits, let everyone read this new book and receive some comfort and be willing to take part in their own transformation and the transformation of the planet. I'm delighted to have been here. 